Welcome to Game Brain, a podcast about board games and our gaming group. I am Trey Alsop. I am your host for this episode. And joining me today to discuss games is Jennifer, the game pioneer. Hello, Jennifer. <laughs> How you doing? Fine. Thank you. We unfortunately could not get together in person this week, so we are doing this over Zencaster. So there might be a little bit of delay on some of this. So we we apologize for that. We also have um, our very own the professor Elder. Elder is here. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Elder with the high energy introduction. Yeah. <laughs> how, how you been doing, Elder? How, how's LA treating you now that you're back? Um, uh, LA's treating me great. I'm settling in. I finally have um, shelves for my games. This is, you know, I've spent all this money on storage all these years for this this day to come where I have enough <laughs> to go right. through all my stuff and and have my shelves. So I, I have them flanked here in my little office, and I'm I'm pretty excited about that. So the the games have been released. Yes. Um, this is round fourteen, turn eight. And today we are going to talk about the latest game from Alexander Pfister. The game is Boone Lake. And for our member segment, we are going to explore the cult of the new and FOMO, the fear of missing out in our hobby. So, Jennifer, maybe we'll jump a little bit ahead. Like, What, what made you think of this topic as something that you wanted to talk about? Because I'm always about the cult of the new. Uh, my dear friend Lorna and I, we are flag bearers, flag bearers to the cult of the new. Okay, so when we hear cult of the new, I often think that that's like a, a criticism of, right. of things. And you're, and you're, you're saying, no, I am the cult leader right. of but the cult I of mean, the new. If people want to criticize me, people have been criticizing me all my life, so... <laughs> You know, it doesn't okay bother it? me. No, it doesn't bother me. It's just, well, we'll get into it later, but it's just kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like to say, uh, you know, Jennifer's been my cult leader. For <laughs> I, I drunk that Kool-Aid a long time ago uh, and realized that Jen, Jen was the uh, was the best resource I could think of for uh, and this has been for years now, I'd say well over a decade on like, what's the new game. Again, we've talked about this a little bit before on previous, uh, pods right. about, you know, those days where, you know, you had to, you know, get a translation of the rules, right? you know, for these German games and, and, you know, never heard of some of the stuff and, and Jim would always be, and then, uh, you know, it's become kind of like a running gag now. Like, like, I think she, I think she's cleaned up her collection quite a bit. But I know, a, 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 like some of my, a few of my gamer friends would be like, "Well, I, I hope Jen gets that game first, and then hope she doesn't like it, so she'll sell right. it." Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> she'll sell it to you. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Well, let's let's um, speaking of cult of the new, let's talk about this week's game night. 
Uh, the two of you were able to, uh, in addition to our normal Friday game night, the two of you were able to get together and uh, experience a little bit of the cult of the new. Um, yeah, um, we played Boone Lake, and then, well, we played um, the, the Hunger, you know, that Stakes game, the game that he mm-hmm. um, reviewed a few weeks ago, right? Yeah. Um, this is the Richard Garfield vampire game well it's it's basically a rip i found out yeah on clank Mm -hmm. and um you know i don't know (laughs) again i was like you know i think i can move on from this game richard garfield it seems like the the games he's making now he's definitely going in my opinion going for you know kind of a light to medium right games that have like, I think he's trying to write hits, you know, and they, like, I think this probably will do just fine. But I think, you know, he does design, I think, with a pretty commercial mass market sensibility in his games. Right. One would think he has enough money, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much of the wizard's money he ended up with at the, at the end of the day. But uh, I mean, I guess the, the point of being a professional game designer is pl- is designing games that people want to play. Right, right, exactly. And, you know, that kind of ties back into me. And I don't, a lot of the games, like in the top 25, I think I own three. And in the top 50, maybe five. Right. So You've probably played them all, but you only own three now, right? Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so my tastes aren't, necessarily commercial you know Mm, would you say you 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 like more complex games i like more complex games but you know um i also like games that are doing something different you know we talked about fresh fish a while ago and um i didn't care for it but i was impressed by what it was doing right you know yeah, I think yeah, we're getting but, a little bit of our of our games on the brain uh, segment here. We're, we're going to talk about complexity oh, oh, a little sorry. bit. No, what? it's it's fine. But uh, you know, like I think w- what you're saying there is like you only own three of the top twenty five games. It's, um, I think later on we'll cover how like actually B- the BGG rankings have a complexity bias. Like it tend right. BGG users tend to reward complexity in the in their ratings of what? of games. We'll talk about that later because uh, <laughs> you don't buy it. Because <laughs> you don't. There's buy it. more to it than that. Sure. So the other games that I played, I played part of Space Core with Candace on Sunday, last Sunday. Space Core. Space Core. Yeah. C O R P S. Um. Yeah. Uh. The GMT game. Okay. Yeah, I was expecting, like, you know, a a kind of heavy, maybe, you know, complex as far as a lot of rules, a lot of things you could do. And it's really more of a story game, you know. I landed here, and I flipped over this chit, and boy, it's got water, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of, of what I was hoping for, which is something like, you know, I'm going here and I'm looking for this and some way of me finding it or some challenge or something like that. I also was really disappointed in the market row implementation 
for okay. the game. You know, um, market row is where you turn over cards after you're done, right? So you choose a card, turn over a card. Mm. And sometimes they work well and sometimes they work badly. And in this game, I felt they worked badly. Now, Candace may have a different opinion. This is so surprising to me that you, someone has found uh, that Candace has recommended a GMT game and then people play it with her and it's not as good as they were led to believe by Candace. That's never no, happened before. No, 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 no. I own tank the duel. games. <laughs> tank, tank duel. Tank duel. Anyone? Tank duel. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. No. Well, but tank duel. I don't know. I just did a video on my early days and tank duel reminds me. Of nuclear war by oh, flying buffalo. Flying buffalo, sure, yeah, right, yeah. It's a great game in the moment, right? You know, and you go, "Wow, this is a great game," and then you go back to it and you're like, "What was I thinking?" Oh, it's but just now, a chaos bomb, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then I played two games of free ride. One mm-hmm. which was really good and really, I really enjoyed it. And it felt like, you know, there were some real choices and we were competing for routes. And then I played yesterday and it was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> so this the is route- the new Friedman Freeze <laughs> yes, kind of right. light, lightweight rail building, right. making yeah. connections game. Uh, right, yeah. exactly. Well, the cars were just, like the routes that were available were just really bad. And it was like, well, okay, so I can, you know, lose really bad with this route or lose not quite as much. And it really wasn't fun, as they say. And then Candace and I and Bruce played the three-player version of Fields of Arla, which hmm. you played, right, Eric? Uh, yes, with you right. and Bruce, I think, a long time ago. Feels yeah. yeah, it's generally a two player game, right? But the expansion adds a third player, right? Yeah, so we kind of house ruled it together. We kind of, you know, it's kind of held together with rubber bands, so it was kind of a different experience. But uh, Candace says she wants to play it again, maybe with two, you know, still with the expansion. I don't think the expansion adds enough, and it it adds more complexity at the cost of playability and time. And you know, I mean, I know I'm a heavy gamer, but sometimes I also like clean, elegant gaming. You know, like Thiam um, or um, some of the stuff by. Um, the guys that did by Keesling, like Azul, right? Mm-hmm. So the expansion just felt like too much. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot in, in Fields of Arl. I, I've played it only one time with Ben, and I'm not sure whether we played with the expansion or not. And I always like Uwe Rosenberg stuff, so I, I had a good time. But um, yeah, I'm not sure that that's an example of you know elegance in design no, necessarily. But- but adding the expansion was an example of the exact opposite. Yeah. Right? Like a bridge too far or a dike too far. Right, in, uh, yeah. Fields of Arl. All right, yeah. Elder, how about you? Um, how, what kind of game nights have you been getting in this week? Well, um, played with, uh, with Jen and Bruce. We played The Hunger. I played The Hunger for the first time. 
and um and got another game of uh the game we're reviewing this week the boone lake boone lake yep which i'm really glad that we did that um also, I got a chance to play Witchstone, the new Kinesia game, a couple times. Yeah, what let's talk about think? that. Yeah, yeah, I I like it. Um, you know, it kind of reminded me of, I mean, the theme, although neat, it's it's another, uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm I have a cauldron and I'm mixing up spells. You know, magician type theme. There's a formula Potions. that you have to put together certain pieces in order to. No, you're not. No? not actually doing that. It's um, you, you're basically matching actions and you're racing on all these different tracks. Okay. So it's the the you know the um, it's kind of like a what is it a polyomino? Um, you have these tiles and each right. tile has two actions on it and you have a stack of them. So it's a little bit like um. Uh, the Stefan Feld game that I liked that came out last year. Oh, I can't think Bonfire? of it. Bonfire, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like that that same mechanic where like his, I think his have, is it two actions or? Is it, I can't remember. But it's a, it's a similar thing where you're trying to, to it's like a, you know, in, in, in Bonfire, it's a grid. Here, it's like a hexagonal grid. Um, Hex grid, yep. Yeah, so you, you got some more flexibility with how you place the tiles and you don't have to place them right next to each other. Um, so it's it's doing some neat things. Like that seems to be like the core mechanic. I heard it's another like another one of Kinesia's games that I haven't played before. Um, but it's fun. It's it's a fun game racing up these tracks and you know, there's a little bit of interactivity and getting these cards and um yeah, I mean I think it's fun enough where I would like to it's it's a little bit on the lighter side. Mm-hmm. But um you know, it's just, it's nice to, you know, Kinesia was like my first favorite designer when I joined the hobby. And did so you play online or in person, in person, in yeah. person. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, that's one great thing about being back in LA is that there's, you know, ample opportunity to actually get together with real people. And, and I'm pretty, I'm in Inglewood, so I'm pretty centrally located. I mean, it's always a hike to get out to Jennifer, but right. Always worth it as well. Uh, that, Sorry, I didn't that. mean to agree so loudly. There, <laughs> coming up to Santa Clarita. No, that was well, one of those games that was in uh, the hot hot games room at BGG, and we kept on trying to kind of rotate around to it, and just we just ran out of time at at the con. So um, that's definitely one we want to check out. Check out more, especially if you really liked it. Yeah, you it's said fun. it was a fun game. And, yeah, it's uh, you know it's, we would like to play games that are fun. Exactly, fun on the lighter side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like it. And, um, and then I've been on TTS. I just been, I am determined about this Ark Nova game. Like I, I keep getting a negative score and keep, <laughs> keep getting slaughtered and I can't, I'm addicted to it. I can't like every chance I get. I play yeah. I wanted to play. Okay. So every time my son would normally give me a gift, my birthday, mother's day, Christmas, Instead, we we play a game now online because he's in Seattle, and I was trying to convince him to, to, to tomorrow is our day, and I was trying to convince him to play board games on TTS, and I wanted to play Ark Nova with him, but that didn't fly. Couldn't so. get him. No, well, so- tell us, Elder, you, if you're playing uh, Ark Nova on uh, TTS, is it a... 
it seemed like a pretty good mod is should people be checking this out on TTS right now? Yeah, it's it's a great mod. They have a couple of fan fan made boards on there. Uh-huh. Which we're seeing to be but is, is stuff fairly automated in terms of gameplay uh, or the setup is. The setup is, but there's no I don't think there's any like I mean, I guess the best the best automation feature is when you take cards, there's a little button that refreshes right. the cards from the deck. Right. So that so that works really well. That would be pretty important. I mean, I've uh, yeah. I've only gotten about two thirds of a game in at BGG Con, and was really really intrigued by it. But I would think that like if on TTS, if you were having to slide cards down one at a time, that yeah. would start to drive you crazy. If that yeah. if that's not automated. Yeah. No. It's just it's just a button. You move cards, and then it it refills everything from the deck. Jennifer, maybe you know this. When when can we expect to see like physical copies of Arc Nova? Uh, in the U.S., you mean, right? Yes. When yeah. can we? Can when can we expect <laughs> uh, to see Arc Nova? Okay, so if if the game if Arc Nova goes like Imperial Steam, when then Capstone will be shipping it from you know their own warehouse in, in February, and then uh, Imperial. Excuse me. Imperial Steam took about a month to hit retail distribution. So that would be March. So I don't, you know, I don't know for sure, of course, but I'm just saying, looking at how the others went, that looks like how it would be. Of course, on Capstone, I believe it's $80, maybe $75, plus $13 shipping. So, you know, if you're not in a really big, gigantic hurry, you may want to go to Miniature Market or um, mm. cool, cool stuff. And they'll have it cheaper when when it gets out, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It'll be cheaper through, through them for sure. Well, I, I want my copy as soon as possible. So that was a mini game that we played this week, me and Jen. Jen was searching for when we could get the game and making sure we have it for her Essen day and then making sure I, I hopefully have a, a copy to play or at least that we could share over the holidays because I'm going to try to right. get as much gaming in as possible. Did uh, you get it? Yeah. Did you get it pre-ordered from Capstone? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I, pre- cool. I pre-ordered okay, it on good. Capstone. Yeah. Okay. If I run into another copy, you know, that's live. Uh, part of the problem, though, with it is it is it uses text. So, mm-hmm. see, like with uh, Gollum is language independent. So if I found a copy of that on a German website, it's fine. But I can't do that with Arc Arc Nova. No, yeah, yeah a lot of text on those cards sometimes. Oh um, yeah, that that need to be studied. Okay, finally, you mentioned that you had played Cascadia. You want to tell us about yeah. that? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I played Cascadia. That was something that a lot of people were playing on TTS, and I just never got around to it. So, you know, we needed a game at the end of the night that played in about an hour. Uh, and wasn't, you know, a very difficult teach. And, and we played in, and I, yeah, Cascadia was fun. It's a fun little, little puzzle. Well, uh, give us the, the elevator yeah. pitch for Cascadia. What is yeah, it? Yeah. So you start, it's, it's, it's hexagonal. Uh, you're building a hexagonal map. You start with uh, one that's three spaces and each, each uh, hex has a terrain type, which I think there's about five and 
you know, one to, I think, up to three different animals that could, um, you know, that could be their habitat. And so the whole game is just about, you know, there's, uh, when you're playing the game, there's a hex and an animal uh, disc uh, that come out in a set. And so you, when it's your turn, you're deciding to take that set to try to, you know, match up the patterns that are going to give you the most points and do that the most effectively. And then there's some bonus points for, um, well, there's points for, for all the animals that you get. And then there's points for the, the terrain types at the end. So you're kind of like you're building the map as you play it the same exactly. way that you would in um, in something like Carcassonne. Yeah, you're build you're building, but your it's own. hexes. Yeah, right. And and everybody has their own personal map, right? Mm. So un- unlike a, oh, nice. you know Carcassonne, where there's a communal map, it's a shared everybody's map, yep. building. Yeah, everybody has their own in front of them, uh, and you're trying to make you know so again certain patterns with the terrain and or the animals. Um, and there's, you know, certain scoring cards. It kind of reminds me of t- Tiny Towns a little bit. And, mm-hmm. that, you know, there's these cars that come out. Um, uh, yeah, but it was it was fun. I definitely, and really pretty art, you know, very clean looking game. And it, play, and it did play within an hour? It did play within an hour, played really quick, very sa- satisfying. Oh, good. You know, um, not not thinky enough, but not too thinky. You know, where you get stumped. We don't want to be too thinky here on Game Brain. Um, uh, Eric, have you played Meadow yet? Not yet, no. Okay, because I was going to ask for the comparison. Um, Maybe when you come up and we get tired of playing Arc Nova, we can play that too. And you can tell me what the differences are. Okay, great. I don't think you're going to get tired of playing Arc Nova. At least not. Not yet. <laughs> no, I'm really excited about Arcanova. I'm, I'm. I can't wait. Oh, to... it's my game on the brain. Mine will be here Wednesday. Okay. So, so you guys, shall... you guys are getting your copies very, very soon. For the rest of the Muggles, more well, like March is what you're saying. We're getting our my shared copy. <laughs> okay. And then it's from Capstone. It's February from retail. If it goes like Imperial Steam went. Yeah. It would be March. All right. That is very clear. Thank you. Yeah. All right. The the game night report from Tom's game night, which was Friday. Um, first off, my losing streak in Avalon continues. Uh, I think in I'm, which Avalon? This, oh. the, the game you don't play with us. Right. Um I you know, I've gone from being the most improved player in the group to uh, you know, consistent loser. And I love that. Said the, ga- the games are still um, a ton of fun, and uh, you would probably all be surprised to know that uh, Paul had a very good game in which he was the uh, Mordred and was the hidden hidden traitor all along, and brought us down hard on the final turn of the game. So they didn't even have to kill Merlin. Big bad guy victory. Very disappointed about that. We also played uh, for our two games that we played after Avalon. Uh, one group played Pulsar 2849, the Vladimir Suchi game, which I think is for like 2018-ish. Which... Uh, 2017, I think. I think it's, it's been out a while. Okay. Which I still have never played, but people seem to be enjoying that. Really? <laughs> Real? All right. You shame me. Fine. Well, do, wait, do, you really, do you really like it? I didn't. I thought I was it was kind of mad, but my friends, all my friends, love it. Okay. Yeah. This happens with you sometimes. 
But I told you I only have three in the top 25. <laughs> you, all right. You you and I can continue to be the grumps of the right. group. Uh, okay. Yeah, you're no, content I, with that. I, I got to say, I feel, I feel the same way. And in, in the West Side Gamers group, there's there's quite a few fans of Pulsar. I and you don't like, get it. And I, yeah. And yeah, I think I played it like once. And I'm like, nah, I'm not a Pulsar fan. I've played it about five times because everybody kept asking. The other table that I was on, we got to play Unfathomable, which is the new kind of reskin of the Fantasy Flight game Battlestar Galactica that's now been reskinned as a Lovecraft game in which instead of being on the Battlestar, you're now on a boat, you know, out in the water and you're being attacked by deep ones and, you know, ancient, ancient, you know, Lovecraftian demons uh so there's a few little differences uh in the game but if you're wondering like oh is this significantly different from battlestar galactica um i guess that's the good news and the bad news is that it's it's not significantly different from the old battlestar galactica game other than the 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 skin um you know i would say i was having a very good time playing this game for the first half and then the second half of the game was really fast and boring it did not turn out to be a very good hidden trader game at all and it just it just became a uh, i mean part of this is that i lost but it's also <laughs> it was just like the the humans ran away with it like the humans had no trouble completing things and the bad guys really almost didn't have much of a chance to do anything before it was all over so it kind of like came to a close very quickly and it did remind me that back when we used to play Battlestar Galactica a lot, like that did happen where you just had games where the luck of the card flips could throw the game really far in one direction or another. And sometimes like you didn't really get a good hidden trader game, which is why I think that like we do play Avalon all the time is like the things that we really like about Battlestar Galactica. You get it if you just play Avalon and it tends to be shorter and quicker than you know spending three hours playing unfathomable or or battlestar galactica that said if you really liked battlestar galactica and um you know it, these games can create really great stories you know they they uh they can have moments where you really fool your friends and you you know you can come away from it like you know paul i think i was always mentioning battlestar galactica is a game that is really good for creating memories um sometimes is what I would say. This game did not create any other, any great memories. <laughs> I don't think, but that just sometimes that's just the way the kind of the cards flip in, in that game. Well, you remember the, the LARP we did at uh, Gen Con? Sure. Yeah, that was, uh, so we did a couple of years ago, we did a LARP that was exactly this theme. It was a, uh, uh, um, Except that, that the ship was specifically the Titanic. So the Titanic was sh- was sinking. And what you find out is that it was, uh, you know, the, the, the elder gods that were responsible. And so everybody was going insane. And, you know, there was flooding everywhere. And it was it was it was a cool memory. Right. So this is. You confused me just for a little bit there because you were talking about the Battlestar Galactica LARP, which is a, which is a LARP that Tom and Mark and I you know, wrote and we ran three years of Battlestar Galactica and you've helped us out running that before. And then there's also was a Cthulhu Titanic game, 
which in which we're all on the Titanic and it, and it kind of like explains the, the disaster of the Titanic is that it was in fact an elder God who attacks the ship and pulls it down into the water. Um, and that's actually was written by a number of friends of ours uh, at Gen Con. That was a really great LARP um, because like the first half of the game, you're on board the ship and everything seems normal. And you kind of are starting to suspect that some of the passengers are not on the up and up. And then like the last third of the game, the ship has sunk and you've gone to another completely different room. That's completely like bathed in darkness. And you're watching the ship sink on a projection on the wall as Cthulhu is dragging it down. And the game then is a game of like uh, lifeboats and people are having to like swim around on their hands and knees. And it's a like an elaborate game of musical chairs where there's not nearly enough spaces for people on the lifeboats and people are drowning or, you know, becoming deep ones or other horrible things. And uh, it was, it was a really impressive game. Yeah. It was fun. All right, let's get to the news. Okay, the big news this week is that Asmodee has been purchased by the Swedish company Embracer Group for 2.75 billion euros. Um, They bought this from PAI Partners. Um, I don't know if people remember that PAI Partners had purchased Asmodee in 2018 for 1.2 billion euros. So the so basically like their assets, the things that they hold have grown from 1.2 to 2.75. Um, this follows up on PAI announcing back in September of this year that they were actually looking to sell Asmodee and they had kind of thrown out a price tag of $2 billion at the time. So they ended up getting you know, another three quarters of a billion above what they had been asking for. So there must've been interest from more than one group, I would guess. Um, have you, either of you been following this, this news? Not that much. I I saw the, the headline and I, I just think it's very interesting. Um, in, in the idea of like, I mean, the thought that, that ran through my head was like, oh, they're, they're just trying to get, you know, some of the best board game IP. It's like, it's kind of like, like a movie studio, um, you know, getting a bunch of book IP or, or, or like, you know, perfect example. It's like, it's like Disney buying Marvel. Right, you're just buying all these IPs. To or make it's movies. even like older Hollywood, in which the the industry was more integrated and studios owned theaters also. Right. Because part of what this group now owns is they own Board Game Arena, they own right. uh, Philibert, which is kind of like they're kind of like the board gaming board BGA for France, right? right? It's French language games and stuff. So they're trying to both be, you know, game producers and be the distribution right. of 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 all of these games, you know, in terms of having, you know, the platforms that people actually play on too. I think they even had a quote here where they said they wanted to be, you know, the Steam platform of board gaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's interesting. I I'm, I too kind of like don't know what to make of this. Like whether this is a good th- whether conglomeration is a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, I know I felt like I I didn't like Fantasy Flight as much once they got purchased by Asmodee. No, yeah, but... they went in a different 
direction. But I mean, as you probably know, the val the true value of any asset is only known when it's bought or sold. And even then it's what someone thinks it is, right? Yeah. So, you know, they I think at first I was a little nervous, but I think that because the hobby is fractured, you know, there's a hobby games and there's a commercial games. I mean, they're not apparently. Oh, no. Do they own Settlers of Catan now? We'd have to look. We'd have to look that up. I mean, I, they might. They probably. I mean, that's the thing is it felt like Asmodee has everything or so many but, things fall within Asmodee. But maybe that's not true. Well, I mean, you look at Capstone, right? That we always follow them. And then, you know, you look at um, a lot of the small devs, the Kickstarters. Asmodee is not on Kickstarter. Or maybe everybody's going to be on GameFound now or whatever's going to happen. Right. But, um, you know, I don't, as long as there's uh, uh, Kickstarter style. Um, games and Asmodee isn't in that, I don't see them being the steam of board games. Yeah, I think they're more talking about like how you can just get access to stuff. I mean, the danger, and I'm not saying this is going to be happening, the danger would be is if they controlled so much of the market that they could just start charging more for board games, right? Because they control the entire library. And so like, you may be right that, you know, having Capstone and Kickstarter provides other options, but I think, you know, like Capstone and Kickstarter have seen the prices of board games go up significantly as well recently. I mean, some of that is supply chain stuff. Uh, but right. some of I it mean, is also just the people are willing to pay more for board games than they used well, to. Well, I mean, Kickstarter is, you know, you put out the the minis and, you know, there are female shapes that some people want to spend <laughs> a lot of money on. And, you know, that's all good. But as or bad, depending on your yeah. point of view. But Asmodee isn't doing any of that. Now, they have their descent, right? But Descent doesn't compete with the big minis games. And then don't forget Warhammer, right? I mean, they're right. huge. They're not even in that discussion. So I don't know. I don't think that. Yeah, it's hard to know what this what this is really going to mean. Right, I mean, but, right. But it, but it is, you know, like they are grabbing up lots of different parts of the hobby. Like one of the things yeah. that was revealed in this presentation was that Asmodee had purchased Miniature Market sometime this year. And like nobody... I'm not sure people knew that. You know. No, I did not know it. But at the same time, why does it matter? Right? Because if miniature market wants to raise its prices 20%, I'll just go to cool stuff. I mean, they can't lock down the retail part of the market like that. Right? Now, if they buy Amazon, that might be a problem. Well, or if they started um, selling games exclusively through Miniature Market or something. Right, like that, exactly. Copies, right. Like that would be an example of, you know, if you could only get games that fell, that were, you know, Asmodee games through Miniature Market, then Boy, that's Epic, a different story. Epic Games for Video Games has been trying that now for three years. And every time someone asks them, well, when do you think it'll be, you'll be profitable? It's another extra three years. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that that model could work, but who knows, you know? 
I don't know. I think if yeah, listen, can... it's something for us to keep an eye on, right? It's and yeah, I, and it's, yeah, like this, but, yeah. I'm not an industry insider. You know, maybe we need to go to Steve Bonacore to tell us what this really means. You know, to get kind of a more insidery look, right, on it or whatever. All right, let, but let's shift. To, let's shift to other news. Uh, I wanted to point out that uh, Candice has a game a game overview of Imperial Steam on BGG. That is excellent and complete uh, as yes. usual. Um, you know, Imperial Steam is probably my game of the year so far. You know, well, so far Mine we're here too. at the end. It's my game of the year. Uh, I mean, maybe Ark Nova might replace it, but like with, um, I haven't played it enough to know. But um, but definitely, if people. I'm continuing to kind of uh, pimp uh, Imperial Steam and check check out Candice's excellent uh, game of overview on BGG. Um, in other news, Root is now available on Nintendo Switch mm. for the, you know, Root is apparently, you know, it's on a lot of platforms now, but we just wanted to throw that out there. And then on Facebook, it was an interesting thing. Uh, there, there, was a, there was a thread on Facebook in one of the board game groups uh, in which someone was asking, "Hey, which should I play first? Uh, what, which should I buy first, Brass or Barrage?" And there was a kind of classic debate about which one you should probably play first. It's probably Brass, is the correct answer. But um, yes. at, at one point, uh, David Turksey actually weighed in and said, "Quote: Are you going to be mad if I tell you that Luciani and I just finished designing a game that's half Brass and half Barrage?" So maybe we got a little preview there of the next uh, game from Turksy and Luciani that uh, promises I'm to be half. I'm not excited about that, but we shall see. <laughs> just, just getting the news out there, Jen. I know, but Brass meets Barrage? Really? I don't. Yeah, I don't know what that means either. But but we will <laughs> we will see. All right, let's get to games. Games of the brain. These are games we like to play. These are games stuck on our brains. Oh baby. Is, is anyone's ears bleeding from <laughs> that? I'm 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 good. I'm I, my ears are so bad that you know <laughs> jamming music into them doesn't matter. Uh, Jennifer, what games are on your brain? Um, okay, so I've been trying to get a play of Batoku in. Right. And that just hasn't happened. My copy is wandering around Los Angeles. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. It got to Canoga Park and then it left. And it's in who knows whereville. Um, I've... Um, I have bought quite a few games in the last few days. I bought Radlands. Have you heard of it? Nope. It's a Richard Garfield hmm. two-player dueling game. How about you, Elder? I had not heard of that one either. No. Yeah, and it's like an 8.4 rating, and people are like raving about it. It's better than all the TCGs and CCGs and all of this, so um, I I picked up a copy, and we shall see, right? And then um, I also bought a, a liar's dice replacement called Spicy. It's supposed to be like powwow, but more you know, <laughs> more sensitive, right? And I bought Seven Wonders Architect, which I really liked. I played it with Mike Nikoloff. Uh, mm -hmm. Elder, we had a good time. 
So those are kind of the games that I've been thinking about and waiting till Ark Nova gets here on Wednesday. I'm looking at uh, Radlands here on BGG, and I I wonder if uh, Richard Garfield consulted on it because it's showing the designer as Daniel Pichnik. Pichnik? Okay. Well, you know, someone told me it was Richard Garfield, but if it's Something in the back of my brain is saying that this was one of the... Like, he consults a lot of times and does a pass on games, and that may be the case here, but not... Do not rely on any of this information here. Uh, But you played it, and you like it. I have not played it. Oh, okay, you're trying um, to play it. Yeah, I, I am going to play it when it gets here. Um, one of the the Game Brain listeners told me about it yesterday and said, oh, it's really, really good. So since um, I'm a longtime Hearthstone player and played mm-hmm. a lot of Magic the Gathering back in the day, I decided I would give it a shot. Yeah, I'm always ready to try out a game that could replace game of thrones lcg for me it, it vampire the, the most recent vampire didn't vampire rivals i think is what it is didn't didn't seem to do it for me so this will be one that i would be interested in in checking out especially if it has deck building as part of it and i don't right. know if right. I, always, well, I always like that we'll see and maybe i'll bring it to a game night and we can it apparently isn't that long so Maybe we can do it, you know. All right, Elder, what games are on your brain? Yeah, so like we said, Ark Nova, uh, I'm addicted. Um, I play it every chance I get. I'm trying to figure out how to win. Addicted uh, but bad, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a tricky little game. Um, and there's no, there's no strategy article on BGG yet, last time I checked. So I was actually thinking about writing one even though i am bad <laughs> even though you haven't won even though have i haven't a won a game yet they're po- yeah even positive I, I think i think i got something to say about the strategy um so one of the say- interesting things they did that was a little bit um not controversial but people were debating about this is in the uh in the hot games room at bgg con um where they had one copy of arc nova they also had a beginner setup for it where everybody was get a, given a set set of hands every time and then they had some advice for initial moves and that seemed like that was probably kind of like necessary for n- new players i thought i thought it was a good move other people disagreed with me because it just it's a pretty sandboxy game in terms of the choices you make with the card so having a little bit of direction seemed yeah like, sure uh, very helpful thing for learning the game in the first place. Um, that game really strikes me like that. There's a lot of um, terraforming Mars underneath the Everybody surface of that game. Keeps saying that, and I don't like terraforming Mars. Me neither, so, and I and I love this game. Okay, oh, good, good, because like I said, I, I'm not a terraforming mars fan uh elder and i have mutual friends that have played it like 300 times or something and i think i would have passed out by that time yeah i've (laughs) i've grown to love terraforming mars i was pretty skeptical when i was first playing it but i've 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 learned to love it sometimes that happens like i didn't like through the ages originally and now i really love through the ages so they some some games grow on you but i just mean that i think that uh arc nova um mechanically you're pulling cards Sometimes they're kind of random. Sometimes you get to choose, which is kind of like the drafting. And then the game is, you know, there's there's a little bit of there's 
you know, um, there's a little bit of board presence in the other than like instead of the surface of Mars, it's more Agricola like where you're building your own zoo, which is cool. But you are like you are totally made up of like the cards that you play. And those cards can be engine cards or they can kind of be scoring cards. And it has a similar thing that Terraforming Mars has, which is that in a sense, like your score and your income are often the same thing. Like when you build the, like when you improve, what do you, what do you call it in terraforming Mars? When you've, you've, you push up your, it's like your basic terraforming rating. You I know, don't and know. And it's that's both your, in, that's your income in the game <laughs> as, as well as like your score for, for a lot of things. Um, and in Arcanova, like as you're building your appeal of your zoo, that's also the money that you make every time like that you start a new round and the game kind of resets a little right. bit. Right. And it has a Rogers of the Granges thing that you go around both ways, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Right. right. It's a, it's, it's a big circle in that your as your appeal approaches your, what is it? Your conservation. Yeah. Right. yeah, like yeah. To, the game yeah. is going to, the end game is going to trigger when someone's appeal wraps around and, and then coinc, you know, coincides with their, with their conservation and that is going to trigger the end of the game. And then ultimately your score is going to be how much more, you know, how, how far did these two things pass each other on, on the loop is going to kind of be your final score in the game. So you can't, you don't want to neglect either. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, you can't, but you're, it's like, you're going to get appeal. Every time you play animals, you're going to get appeal. Yeah. So you're I building like, a zoo and it's becoming more appealing. Yeah. Right. Right. So I feel like the real trick of the game is your is your strategy for how you're going to get on those conservation pro- projects, and that's a race for those points, or like what we like to I guess call green points, right? Mm-hmm. And um, there's these base projects, so there's the initial projects that come out, and there's also some more in the deck that could be found. But I found that like you know there, there's a couple of what I would consider kind of like master players. There's like these, you know, European gentlemen that I've played with quite a bit. And, you know, everybody that I've played on TTS that is consistently winning the game, I'm watching mm-hmm. what they're doing as much as I can. Right. And, and that seems to be key is that when you get your initial hand of cards, you need to really pay attention to those base conservation projects and you need to be getting a piece of, of a couple of them. Because you need those points. Like those points are helping you. Like the other key things are getting more assistance and flipping over your cards. The sooner you can do those two things, the the more efficient your game is going to be. And it and it is. It's it's essentially a race. Like you, it's about right. being as efficient as possible. Which so, again is a terraforming Mars thing. In, in my mind, because like you know, you have those. You have the three categories in terraforming Mars that you're racing to be the first one to have like three trees or three cities. Um, and there's points to be scored there. And at first, when you're first learning the game, you, you look at that and you don't know, like, how important is this? But I think in competitive play, like, you need to be able to score in some of these categories, both in terms of, like, the milestones of being, like, the first to do something. And then there's other categories where they're going to score, like, most and least, you know, most and second most in, in other categories. So anyway, that that seemed like another thing that was consistent with terraforming mars i'm sorry did i cut you off did you have another point you wanted to make about the game elder uh no no no. that was it thank you okay and did you want to mention weather machine yeah i mean i I, i've been browsing through the rules like i'm usually you know i'm I'm a lacerda Mm -hmm. diehard uh i would i would say he's my favorite designer right now and 
I don't know. It was something about I, I kind of I was, you know, listening to you on the, on one of the recent previous episodes. And I think I've shifted where I still like I used to enjoy reading the rules and figuring a game out and teaching it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just don't don't really care for that too much. Like I'd rather play the game. I think I've been spoiled by all these videos and the playthroughs and stuff like that. And so, you know, I've been, you know, just browsing through these rules and haven't, you know, it's been two or three weeks now. Uh, and I've, I'm really like Jones to get a, a game of weather machine and I actually have to get on it because we're going to be, you know, re- you know, spoiler alert, we're going to be reviewing it soon. So okay. I got to get some, I got to get some plays in. But uh, it looks really cool. Well, where know. where can people play Weather Machine right now? Right now, just on TTS. Okay. The, I it's just on got... Tabletopia as well. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple. All of all of his games are always on Tabletopia. Yeah. Tabletopia always blows up my laptop for whatever reason. I mean, it blows up everybody's everything. <laughs> but they pay the publishers, so that's why everybody's on it. Mm. Gotcha. Well, speak. You know, speaking of uh, Lacerda, like the game, the thing I was been thinking about this week, um, or or the the games on my brain is I was there was actually a tweet from Eric Lang this week who who said uh, we've become far too tolerant of complexity in hobby mm. games, and um, mm. I'm not I'm not hundred percent certain that I know exactly what he's talking about, but I feel like we've we have been pushing back on I think what our podcast has been calling the baroqueness of a number of games where we seem to be engaging in a lot of complexity in games for complexity's sake. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, I think, I mean, I always compare this hobby to photography, right? I mean, everybody, if you go to a photo, a photography meetup, or, you know, people who are serious about photography, they're talking about the $3,000 Nikon, or the $2,000 Sony, or the Canon, right? They aren't talking about the $800 camera, or God forbid, uh, smartphones, you know, so people come to talk about the higher complexity games because there's more to talk about, just like with the cameras. And so, yeah, I'm not sure I agree. I'm not. I'm not sure I agree with that that metaphor. But I mean, maybe I should just position it this way. Okay. Uh, we've we've championed elegance a lot. And so maybe I think what he's talking about is that maybe elegance isn't being prioritized enough. Like there's a lot of the games that I really love tend to have fairly simple rule sets that are easy to understand, but then produce complex play. And when when that is flipped on its head and it seems to be like, there's a lot of rules to learn and there's edge cases. There's just a lot of stuff going on. But then when you actually play the game, there might be like two strategies. Like right. that's kind of like that's I think what he's talking about, or at least that's what I well, think about see, when he's when I hear that is like there seem to be a lot of games we spend a lot of time just learning the dang rules, and then it doesn't seem justified. In the well, end. you know, I think La La Havre, in my opinion, is a perfect example of that. All of this stuff, and you can play all these cards, and you can all do all these things, but there's really only two strategies. That really annoyed me to the I'm point where I'm going to have to disagree with you here. <laughs> I, 
Well, I mean, you know what? I think, I think Lahav actually has fairly simple mechanisms in the game. What you have, though, is you have a bunch of different cards that produce different opportunities. Like on your turn in Lahav, you're either taking the offer, you're taking one of these stacks of resources, or you're moving your little worker onto one of the buildings and you're doing what the building says. Like those are the two things you can do on your turn. And right. there's a lot of richness in the cards. I, I would say that, you know, as kind of like the game we're going to review, mm -hmm. that too much of it comes down to trying to execute a couple of strategies. The shipping strategy, or I can't remember the other strategy. And then you have this loan issue on top of it, and the three-player only. And I mean... I don't know. I, I I was very disappointed with that. But then, you know, um, maybe do you like a Feast for Odin? That's another game that has a lot of stuff. Yeah, no, I, I thought that that was an example of Rosenberg getting more Baroque. Like there's just more stuff, more tons of action right. spaces, tons right. and tons of action spaces. Right. We're no longer exactly. competing over them the way we compete over action spaces right. in, in yeah. Agricola. In in Lahav, we compete over getting into certain buildings. And so I, I totally see your point about Lahav and that it has been a criticism that there are dominant <laughs> strategies. But I also think that like that's almost like a different subject. You know, it's it's kind I of can, like I can see that. I guess for me. Part of the whole of hobbies in the first place is to discuss the more complex, right? I mean, it's just like if I go. Yeah, to, I'm not um, sure that's a given. I'm not. I'm just. I'm, the, it's not just to discuss the more complex. I think that there's a lot of people, especially when you've played a lot of games as we have, that that's where we're going to end up a lot of times, especially if we're trying something new like learning something new and complex it's harder to find stuff that's gonna surprise us and interest us maybe um, yeah i just i just think it's just like if you go to a rose like a group of people who really love roses they're not talking about icebergs they're talking about these newly patented roses that very few people have seen. Yeah, but you're essentially saying that complexity and games are the same thing. That like the no, thing that I'm we want out of games that. is complexity. No, what I am saying is that people get together to discuss complex things, whether they be flowers, cameras, games. They get together to discuss things that are complex because the things that aren't complex may not need as much discussion. Yeah, I right. Maybe it's, it's a question of where you find your complexity. You know, right, now that could be absolutely, yeah. You know, yeah, ch chess, chess has fairly simple rules, but the complexity in the play, you know, like, you know, that's that's where that's where it is um yeah i think the, where it matters is actually yeah because we're, we're kind of we're kind of getting to boon lake here is is talk is talking about like what it takes to learn a game how much time do we have to spend to learn a complex system you know and then just, and then engage with it the problem though is trey and i i i think you're a great example of this is that you can learn a game and push the pieces, but you may not be able to learn it to win it. And I think those are two different things. It's just like with 18xx. The rules are simple. 
the rules, as you know, Tom, I think pointed out in a previous podcast, is you're either buying stock or you're placing a tie. That's it. But that's not knowing the rules isn't going to win you the game. You see? And so then people want to start talking about the, the 1830 or, you know, whatever game 18xx they like because they want to win or at least they want to compete. I, I will defer to you on the subject of 18xx. I certainly am not an expert, but I it, I don't think it's fair to say that, hey, new player learning an 18xx game, this will be like a 15-minute teach. That That's not... I don't well, I taught it a hundred times. And I mean, how long does it take? Well, because I don't teach only the rules, right? I teach the context, right? When I teach games, right, Eric? I teach, hey, if you do this <laughs> now... Elder looks like he's... Don't bring me into this. Okay, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm Elder's sorry. face here. Sorry. Context oh, for people at home. He's, he's abandoning me. <laughs> and now... <laughs> Well, why don't we why don't we get to Boone Lake, or rather than this becoming a debate about eighteen XX games? No, no, again. no. I don't want that, but I do want to make one other point. Sure, is that light people who play medium and light games don't rate heavy games, but people who play heavy games down rate light games. And that accounts for about 80% of these ratings. They, I've, I've seen tables. Uh, a person um, showed tables demonstrating that in the uh, pod discord, that that is what the real problem is, is that the heavy gamers, oh, something like Settlers is a four. Right, mm-hmm. but the person who thinks Settlers is a ten doesn't rate Imperial Steam or Food Chain Magnet because they're not playing it. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair, but I don't think that that necessarily equates to so it all evens out. Uh, I think no, it doesn't all even out yeah. at all. No, absolutely yeah. not. I'm just saying that there's an unfortunate bias that this person had actually worked out to show what the true ratings were. Right. So I think who you're referring to um, is there was analysis by Dinesh Vatvani, right. who yeah. looked at complexity bias in the the ratings that BGG users have given to games and found a correlation between complexity and higher ratings. And Right. And so what and so suggested that, okay, so if you can then, you know, determine what this bias is and then adjust for that bias so you can essentially like downgrade the more complex games in order to even out that bias you get a different list of of top 10 games no, at the end of it what, that's more what, reflective of what's actually popular what what people are actually playing what, what this person did was they took out all the ratings of people who had rated heavy games or, or games over two and a half highly they took out all those ratings so maybe you're talking about someone different. Uh, yeah, I'll do a link. And, I'll do a link in the uh, in the show notes to the to the research that Dinesh Vatvani did. And the yeah. only reason that I kind of know all about this is that this was something that Elizabeth Hargrave has talked a lot about when she's done uh, her presentations, looking looking at the way that ratings work um, 
in BGG. And also she was looking specifically at, at what games are most popular with women users on BGG. That was of interest to her. And so complex and complexity figures into that. Right, right. That my I just thought the one where they took out where they stopped heavy gamers from raiding light lighter games was really interesting because that way you really do get, you know, what people think. Versus the heavy gamers coming in and that's a four, that's a three, that's a five. So yeah. Maybe. Okay. So that may make sense then. If, the, if we have more, I mean, if you're a BGG user, you're probably m- more hardcore for lack of a better term than, than the general gaming population anyway. So you're going to be drawn towards more complex games and you're going to, you know, not rate, you know, simple games, um, exactly. give it the same. So that, that, that might be an explanation for the bias that Vahani's right. research demonstrated. Right. So. Because it's definitely, it's definitely there. I mean, there's no question that it's there. Um, I wish that BGG would do a better job with it. One of the things, though, that BGG has done, you know, when you, a few years ago, you came on BGG and the first thing you saw was the top 24 ranked games, right? Right. Yeah, they've gotten rid of all of that. It's yeah, it kind hard of hid, to, hidden. Yeah, it's hidden a little bit now, right? Yeah, yeah, it's actually hard to find it. And they've gone more with what are the games that people are interested in, interested in right now with the hotness. And the hotness goes all over. It's not just heavy games. Yeah, no, right. It reflects what people are actually clicking on, and so that 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 works. Yeah. All right. Well, let us get to our game review um we are looking this episode at boone lake uh the new game from alexander fister this is a one to four player game uh bgg users have said that it's best at three it has a playing time of a listed playing time of 80 to 160 minutes uh, a weight of 3.68 on bgg which is fairly fairly high not super super it's not a four but that, I think it's coming down once it hits the U.S. Okay. Uh, the artist on this is Clemens Franz, who you would, who at least I immediately think of all of the work for Uwe Rosenberg games, that kind of Agricola style, which is actually pretty absent uh, in this game. Um, this is Fr- Clemens Franz doing, going another direction. Um, it doesn't look, or it, uh, he's, uh, Fister's used Clemens Franz in like, oh my goods. And some others, you know, that he's kind of good at doing, you know, farming and landscapey and, you know, people in different occupations type of stuff. But this game's actually a little bit different. Uh, the publisher is DLP Games, and you're going to get it from Capstone here in, in the U.S. All right. So let me try to do the uh, the overview here, and then you guys jump in anywhere that I've I've been confusing or, or not made any sense. Um, <laughs> so first off, the game's theme. This game, the, the theme of this game is a little bit hard to describe um, because it is fictional. Uh, it's not historical, but essentially it's kind of loosely Western themed, but not necessarily American. Um, and the role you play in the game is you're kind of like land developers where you're moving into this land, which they actually say in the text has been abandoned. And you're you're kind of you're starting to have a presence in this new land, 
by placing down hex tiles and then building buildings or placing wood on these hex tiles as your ma- as your map expands out in this kind of like commonly shared map that's defined by like four different regions on the board of hexes, like little clumps of hexes that are all divvied up by a river that runs through these areas and kind of divides it up. And the river ends up acting kind of like um, a loop in the game where we're tracking the progress that everyone is making with a boat going down the river, kind of like as you're exploring this new world. And that's a little bit hard to grasp, but essentially there's going to be four scoring triggers in the game based upon the progress that the boat makes. And as soon as somebody goes through one of these kind of like milestone areas or crosses the line, um, we do kind of intermediate scorings. We're going to do three intermediate scorings in the game, and then we'll have a final scoring at the end when the end game is triggered. So you're kind of Western land developers and you're going to you know build houses and then settlements and put cows on fields. Well, I got to, I got to jump in and just say something about the theme. So it's actually, if you look at the art closely, it's Western sci-fi. Western sci-fi? Yes. Okay. There's, yeah, yeah. It most so, specifically is that. not historical. This exactly. is, this is exactly. like, they're, it's, they're trying very, very hard to be like, no, this is not, it still kind of suggests American West, but it's not the American West. Okay. Um, but sci-fi <laughs> makes sense, sure. So yeah, you, okay. I haven't seen the sci-fi elements. I'll go. I'll go back and and look at that. If yeah. they're pretty if subtle. Look, if you look at the at the bottom of the player boards to the left, where you where you put your ranchers or workers, right? There's like this kind of like weird grid element, and people were like, "What is that?" And it's like, "Oh, it's a microchip kind of thing." Isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah, it's like circuitry, right? Circuitry, and then you, yeah. When you look at the the actual buildings, right? They're like these kind of like they're not old West building. It's not all made of wood. It's right. made out of like wet metal and these different materials. And so it's it's subtle, but it's there. Right. So but it's I think the important part is like this is a fictional land. Yes. And they're trying very hard to say <clears throat> this is not the American West. So don't come at me, you know, <laughs> <laughs> essentially. All right. How do you how do you actually play this game? All right, the main thing you do on your turn is you are choosing from one of seven action tiles. And these these tiles are kind of ranked from top to bottom. Um, and you can choose any of them, but if you choose one of the tiles from the top of these kind of like ranked tiles, you'll get to move your boat further down the river. So your reward for moving down the river will be greater. Whereas if you choose from the bottom of the stack of tiles, that means it's been played very recently and you don't move that much down the river. In fact, you have to spend action points in order to take this action. So I think the idea is that there's certain incentive, like a lot of games have, there's incentive for... Trey, I'm sorry. You spend victory points. Yes. You always, you only have one action to, you know, one action tile to choose. Yeah, this tile is like a rectangle. And when you choose it, um, three different things are going to happen. Um, there's a, on each tile, there's a primary action, which is because it's your turn, you're doing this thing. And, um, in addition to that, there is general like there's a few exceptions here, but generally then there's a secondary action which everyone can do. So that's one way that players stay involved when it's not their turn is that they're taking the secondary actions that uh, that are being triggered by the main player um, on, on their turn, and then based upon where on the kind of 
on the stack, in the order of the stack, you chose this action, you get to move down the river a certain amount of space. So those are that's a, and that will trigger some kind of reward in terms of where you move your your ship on the river. In addition to that, these action tiles are color coded by time of day, meaning that you can generally like play there's often like you can play a card as part of this action and the cards are either going to be daytime cards, nighttime cards or like dusk cards or twilight cards, you know, kind of a sunset um art at that time. So you know, lining up your cards with the action you want to take is something um, that is like a little plus for improving things. Now, I'm not going to go into like what each of these action tiles do, but they're basically things that allow you to like place a tile on the board. And there is a restriction in the game in that there's a little bit of almost like fog of war in the game and that you can't just place a tile anywhere on the board. You have to place it next to a hex that someone else has already placed. So your your presence kind of expands out from the center of the map as as you play as you play the game. Um, but you're placing tiles down. When you place a tile down, you're getting a reward for covering something. And then later on, you're going to be placing pieces of wood, whether those are houses or settlements or cattle, on these tiles. And generally, like you get a reward for placing the wood on these tiles. And in addition to that, by taking the pieces of wood off of your player mat that's going to actually reveal certain rewards in the form of income that will happen every time that we have one of these, um, you know, scoring, you know, the four scorings in the game, we also collect income and that can, that income can be cards, that income can be points, that income can be money. So in addition to, so cards and money are kind of the main resources in the game. But Elder, do you want to talk about the other, as, as our resident resource expert, do you want to talk about how resources are used in this game? Sure, sure. So there is a, uh, on your player board, there is, um, there's basically like four main building resources. There's wood and then essentially three different types of metal. Yeah, it's like, like wood, clay, maybe like stone and metal or something like that. I'm not right. sure, but yeah, it's like one of them's red, one of them's gray, one of them's blue, but there's some right. type of stone and you know, they're essentially you could think of them as, as being more rare, or more valuable. Like the blue one I think is at the top of the scale versus the wood. Um, and, and, and it's an interesting mechanic where also on your player board, you have two little canoes um, that have these slots on them. Um, and there's four slots, basically one for each resource, right? Um, so at the beginning of the game, you get to choose one of these resources. So at the, the tops of these slots, at the very top of your board, each resource has a space for factories, which, so you're not you're not collecting resources in this game. It's just a matter of like, you have to basically show that you can produce them or that you have them to uh, cover the cost of cards um, that you're playing. You're right. So th this is not Agricola. It's not like you're accumulating wood so you can do a thing. It's more like if I have a wood factory, I always have one wood for playing cards that require wood. Yeah. And, and, I, then, and I want. Yeah. Go ahead. And I, as you say that, Trey, I wonder if, if the game might be more interesting or, or better that way but that's not <laughs> for how, you that's not how for you maybe yeah. yeah right right because because then it would be more like resource management right whereas this is this is not exactly that right so again the the, the i guess the second aspect is these these factories right so you start basically with 
zero except for one of the resources you, you get to choose at the game at the beginning of the game and then the rest of them you have to build up so essentially and they're represented by these factories so there's these little chits that have two sides uh one has plus one and one has plus two on the other side because you like you max out at like two factories in each of these categories exactly exactly so essentially what that allows you to do is like like let's just say you had upgraded to the the plus two side on your blue resource, then that would mean you would always have two of those resources, um, even if you didn't have a canoe in that spot. But if you had a canoe in that spot, you would have three, or if you had both, you would have four. And four is like the most you would ever need to spend in the game. Yeah, in fact, you could never spend more than four. And so the co- these are all costs that you spend in order – or not spend, but you just no. have to have right. in order to trigger a card. When it's time to play a card, there will be costs associated with the card. Now, you do spend money. You can't spend money to play cards, but the actual resources are just like you have to have access to them. And like I think the one thing to explain about the canoes is you only have two canoes. So they're kind of like floater resources that you can kind of, you know, gather what you need in order to make the formula work out. But there's the theme of stuff going downstream in this game, both in terms of our boats go down the stream and then the canoes actually have a direction where you can always move your canoes downstream to get certain resources, but then for them to go back upstream, to go back and like get wood, you actually have to pay money to move your canoes back. So that means you have some flexibility, but sometimes you have to spend money to get the flexibility that you need in order to play certain cards. I think, Jennifer, at one point you were talking about the cards to me and you said, you know, you can never get resources from cards in this game. You have to get them from the board. Right. Yeah, they should say that in the rules because there's so many cards. And I know when we first played with Candace, we were all thinking, well, maybe we'll get resources that way, but you don't get resources that way. And it's pretty key to know that, right? Mm -hmm. You need to prioritize actions in which you're placing hexes down that are going to cover these factory spaces that will give you factory production. So that's a major thing that you're thinking about. There's some other options too, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I did want to mention, I got Boon Lake from philibertnet.com. This is not a review copy or provided by anybody. I spent my own money. So, you know, that's that's how I got it. That question comes up a lot. So, so this this so, is so you can also you can also improve those factories essentially get those resources on the river that's the other way that you can do them and then there's also one other resource uh which is special uh, well it's the these these vases or yeah or, yeah yeah right or they, yeah so these are a special one that you can acquire some <laughs> cards are, require vases to play and there's only a few places to get vases in the game. So it can kind of be a uh, a lock, you know, to keep you from playing certain cards that you have to acquire a vase first. So right. Or you, yeah. you could se- or you could sell them for a pretty good chunk of money is another thing that you can do with them. So in trying to explain this game, I think people should understand that this is a game with tons and tons and tons of cards. You tend to be getting a lot of cards in your hand. And then, well, not always. Not always, <laughs> but you're doing better if you're getting lots of cards in your hand. Because that is true. Now, that is the, true. The cards have all kinds of different functions. 
and powers and some of them are really good at the end of the game and some of them are much better at the beginning of the game and you're just drawing them randomly um so being able to cycle through your cards and have some kind of being able to filter and cycle through your cards in order to get more cards to get the cards you need that's a big part of the game this is not dissimilar to maracaibo in that way other than like maracaibo actually gives you better tools for getting the cards in your hand yeah and that maracaibo has a market market, market row yeah of, of, of face up things so you can kind of select things and one of the ways maybe i don't know whether this is simplifies it but um in boon lake they don't do that it's just more like your cards are going to be one of the things you have as income in the game and there's going to be plenty of times that like you do this you're going to get three cards or income my income is currently three cards so you're always getting cards and spending cards sometimes you're converting cards into money other times you're yeah you're or you're just playing cards like you're but at the end of the game it's not unheard of for you to have like 20 cards that you've played to your tableau ish that sounds like a lot but like you're gonna play a lot of cards in this game yeah well either that or you're gonna hold a ton of cards but the 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 point of the game is certainly or i shouldn't say the point i guess trade the magic circle expects you to play cards no i'm using it wrong no no, not even close (laughs) the magic circle would be like what's the narrative here that what mindset am i when i'm when i'm playing the game and so like if we're if there's a magic circle on boon lake I and I don't know what it is exactly, but I guess it would be like I'm a Western sci-fi ah, developer, okay, and I need right. to develop land better than other people. Yeah, it just seems like <laughs> the, well, but you know, it's just like you look at the game and you're going, "What is this game expecting me to do?" Right? Right. And so the game is expecting you to play cards, but you know, you don't have to. You don't have to do anything in those in those actions. You can take an action and not do anything at all. So that was what I was trying to get to, is that the game seems to be screaming at you, play cards. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I think it's important to note, though, the, the first part, when you take those tiles, the first thing you do when you take an action tile um, and and it's actually the, the iconography. There's an arrow going up and there's an arrow going down. So one is to play the card. The other option is to discard the card for uh, money. For money. And then there's yeah. certain there's certain cards that actually in, in, encourage you or reward you with even more money for discarding those type of cards. Right. Yep. 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 No. I, I mean, you know, I guess for me, um, I. I didn't feel a theme. I understand where Elder is coming from with his suggested theme, but it was nothing like the themes of Mombasa or um, Great Western Trail or Maracaibo. You know, and I don't mean like, okay, it's not a historical colonial theme. I just mean any theme. Right, it's hard. It's hard so, to latch on to exactly right, what it is yeah. right, that we're exactly. doing in this game. Right? right, except playing cards, you know. And the thing, and because of that, to me, are are we in for the review tray? Are we in? I mean, should I start re, re, reviewing it? Yeah, I think now's a fine time for you to start talking about your actual react. Because you've played. How many times have you played this game now? Eleven. 
11 plays. Okay. That yes, I feel like you're qualified to <laughs> go to your thoughts about this game now. Well, you know, you know, when you first play it and when you even subsequent you go, this feels like a felled point salad, right? You yeah. know, you get points over here and you get points over there and you get points over here and you know, you don't I've not lost that feeling, you know, but I will say this, you know, it's not random. Uh, Bruce has played it. My, my gaming partner has played it three times and he's won three times by a substantial margin. So mm -hmm. clearly it's not a random point salad, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, but it bugs me that there's no cohesion. Like, at least, you know, we were talking about La Havre. At least there are two strategies. Here, <laughs> I'm not seeing any strategies. I mean, maybe there's a card-playing strategy, but that seems kind of obvious and boring. Your, and your strategy has to kind of emerge based upon the cards that you pull. You cannot... You cannot yeah. set out to do a certain thing. You need to make lem lemonade from your lemons. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, and so like you tend to like start out and you need to be flexible. And then as you play certain cards, an engine hopefully starts to emerge, but it, it may not. For me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, like, for example, you know, in Maracaibo, you know, you, your cards determine the strategy too. You know, is it going to be a combat strategy with the other countries? Is it going to be an explorer strategy? Is it going to be an assistant strategy, right? But I don't get that here, and I really, really miss it. It just feels like I pick this up, I pick up my cards, and the first thing I do, can I do a special project? Yes, no. Okay, I can't do a special project. Okay, so now I kind of go down the list of what can I do, right? And that just doesn't, it doesn't resonate with me like the others did where I'm going, okay, well, I'm going to do an assistant strategy or a cowboy strategy, you know what I mean? And then... Other people have a strategy that you can see that they're doing and you can react to it if you want to. And here, what can I do if Paul is playing a card strategy? Oh, look, he now has 20 cards instead of 15, right? And right. so, you know, you lose that interaction versus if I see somebody doing a cowboy strategy in Great Western Trail, well, hey, maybe I'll take advantage of a moment where I can get a key cowboy or cow, right? Yep. So that is what this is missing the most. The other problem with it, Great Western Trail has a rush strategy. It's not obvious, but it's definitely there. Mar Maracaibo has a definite rush strategy. Painfully particularly, so, yes. Yeah, but, but particularly if someone's playing the assistant strategy where they're, you know, they're stopping everywhere to, okay, well, you rush the game. Here, you rush the game and you get four points or maybe seven points out of 200 plus. You know, and so there doesn't seem to be any point in rushing. And I feel like this game needs that. 
<laughs> the uh, well, they, uh, a game a game can be high randomness and high skill, and I think I think this game is high randomness and high skill while still being kind of like low strategy. You right. know, I think that there are there are tough decisions to make at times, right. but that doesn't necessarily mean that those are strategic decisions. You know, exactly. there's not some overall plan that you're trying to pursue. It's more like once I've like certain cards and start to open things up and then I start heading this direction and maybe my engine starts getting a little more in that direction. And, you know, it's certain cards start to make more sense based upon what you did, but it's hard to plan that you have to, you have to look at your cards and kind of react to that. And that can be skillful. That, that can be skillful. Yeah. And maybe that's what Bruce is doing. Cause to me, they seem like here today, gone tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know? And the other thing, because there isn't a rush strategy, the game takes too long. Right. You know? The plays nobody... have, been, have been long. Right. Um, and, and Elder, you... at our game night, what, a couple of weeks ago, you had to teach a bunch of yeah. new players, and that's going to slow things down. But that game finished up at like 2 in the morning, and we started yeah. at 8. Yeah, every, right. everybody complained that it took too long, that it was it was longer the the length of the game did not equate with the what the game was was providing in terms of gameplay right. exactly. and overstays its welcome exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah and then yesterday we played for four hours without a teach and, and these guys are decent players they are they are aping they aren't you know, asking a million questions. I mean, we're playing the game. And so, you know, it's just it's just disappointing. Um, the other thing is, I, although I don't know if it's still going to be true, um, Mr. Fister asked me to design in the car for <laughs> the expansion that he thinks he's going to do, and my name's going to be on that card. And it's like, oh, well, how about... If you draw this card, you win. No, I'm just kidding, but <laughs> we could just call it the grump. Right, yeah. Yeah, really, huh? Yeah. Good idea. I will work on it. Well, am I it seems to me that um for both of you, I felt like you liked the game the most on your first play and that the enthusiasm has gone down over time. Is that accurate? Elder, when we played our first game, you seemed to be digging it. And- oh man, yeah, I was I was super excited to, for like as I got into the first game, and then the second game, which I which I won, we um, uh, that was that that long game that we talked about at the the game brain right. game night. Um, I enjoyed it, but I was less enamored. And then when I played it with Bruce and Den, I think it plays better at three than four. I think that yeah. cuts down. Yeah, I think that cuts down on on the length. Um, yeah, probably, we had four yesterday. Good yeah. point. Yeah, it's, you don't want to play this game for players, I don't think. Right. Um, and it doesn't, it's like it's not going to provide anybody any more gameplay playing it at four. It's actually going to be a, a worse experience, I think. So I think three is a sweet spot. Um, but I'm glad, I'm glad I got that other play in with Bruce and Jen because I, I, I feel like my, liking of the game did go go back up a little a little bit more oh, yeah? on that play. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I, I can see there's more again, I don't know how how many times just I'm um I mean I hate to make comparisons, but like compared to like Arc Nova, which I've probably had like 
at least a good 10 or 11 plays of that now. And I'm, I'm dying to play it all the time. This one, like, you know, if, if there's some new players, which I'm sure there will be that want to, that want to play. Yeah. I will, I will play it again, but it's not like, Oh I'm yeah. Me too. Yeah. 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 On the, on the, on the topic of length, I think part of it, like it does take too long, but it's also uh, one of the things I found when playing the game is that I felt like the whole secondary action thing did not work that well in that, you know, the, a, a player takes their, their primary action. And then we had to kind of do this thing of like, Hey, have you taken your secondary action? Okay. Is it my turn to take secondary action? Okay. Jen, now it's your turn to take a secondary action. And like, keeping track of has everybody done like i'd imagine that there are some players who like really like this game and they're on top of it and like the guy whoever the main player is uh takes their action then every other player just does their secondary action and it moves but i just have not found that to be the case yet i didn't there's often some confusion about has everyone done this can we move on you know that that kind of start and stop thing really got tiresome real quick uh, at least for me oh that Okay, so for some of the actions, you can do them simultaneously, right? Mm-hmm. Draw two, play two. You know what I mean? You know, or draw one or whatever. The actions that you have to wait for, you know, I'm going to place a cow as my primary. Now I place the second cow. Now I have to Yeah, the to order wait. there is very important. And right, so- exactly, exactly. Which I was... Um, disappointed that they didn't address that very well in the rules but they're like well everybody can play simultaneously mostly mostly yeah <laughs> well, i think this, they, they were attempting to like avoid having players um check out for 10 minutes while we they wait for their turn so you have these secondary actions to keep everyone involved but i i don't think that this was especially if that was the goal i don't think it was especially successful well the 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 thing is as we've talked about you want to get cards and many of those secondary actions allow you to either directly or indirectly get cards and without them I think you're going to have a shrinking hand issue. So now whether or not there's more ways that they could have designed to get cards, but I think that's that's what the secondary actions feel like to me. Mm-hmm. Is oh also like I am I think when we played at Matt, you know, I had at one point a couple of times I had nine cards and no sense sunsets mm-hmm. right? right and so you know you want that time where you can play any card right. so you can get some of this stuff played because you know if everybody's going after let's you know the the sunsets and and, and all i have is sunsets then i may never get a chance to play it without losing victory points yeah, it's true. Yeah. Like the card draws can get in the way of you doing what you want to do because right. this game is an efficiency contest. You know, yeah. like it's an engine and efficiency contest, and that's something that often does appeal to me. And it probably explains why, like Bruce, Bruce would probably see a lot of success at this game. I think he excels at kind of engine efficiency contest right. yep, games. So, like you know, yes, you could take the action you want to take, but if you don't have the right time of day card to go with it, you're just doing it less efficiently. And and that stuff adds up over time and that can 
that that can be a, a frustration. So in a sense, like the game, I'm sure has a lot of pleasures for some people because it is a puzzle. Yeah. It's a puzzle yeah. to be figured out, and the different cards you get provide a different puzzle for you to figure out every time. And so I do think this game will appeal to some people, especially in that like it's kind of a cool game to learn. Like there's right. definitely some new stuff here, I felt right. like that I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm I think that there's there's kind of innovative stuff that I thought was really interesting in different pieces. Um but there's a lot of it and I don't think it comes together. Like we haven't even talked about, there's a weird lever mechanism where you can buy lever. Like again, what we're doing in this game, I can't tell you because you get these levers that allow you to trigger powers <laughs> and then flip them back up at certain points. And like, why are there levers in this game? I can't, I can't tell you. Well, it, it, it seems like it's a way to guarantee certain cards. You see, because in the game, you may never see a certain type of card, right? But let's say that that card was, you know, will, could really help your strategy. So instead of making it a card, they looked at some of the, the choke points and made them lever. Oh, here's some stuff that's available to everyone. Right. Okay. Exactly. Gotcha. So, um, so it, go ahead. I want to, yeah, I want to say something about the car. So I think. Part of why I was so excited on the first play and not so much on the second was that, um, you know, again, it's a it's a it's a huge deck of cards. I don't know what the number is. The count is, but it's yeah, a lot right. of cards, it's, right? I think About it's four, 122. Yeah. yeah. It's like a yeah, four well, inch stack of cards, you know, right. on the table. Right. Over 100 cards. Right. And I think I was disappointed where I, at, on the first play, they were, they all seem new. And I'm like, oh, my right. God, it, it seems this seems infinite. Like the combination. So many possibilities. Like, so yeah. many cool stuff. Yeah. Right. And then on the second play, I was like, oh, well, a lot of these cards repeat. Right. You know, a lot of these cards uh, are boring. A lot of these cards are boring <laughs> or kind of kind of samey. You know, mm -hmm. this card is like very much like this. Oh, you're just going up the tracks here. Yeah, they're all like there's little mini of, contracts of like a, pay the resources or have the resources, right. get the points. Right. Or get there's, something, there's, you know, get some resources. You know, they're yeah, not sexy. Those are not the sexiest um, cards. Well, but some of them are, are, are interesting. The ones where you can play, you can discard two cards to get a, like nine or ten points. You know, but those are high resource cards, right? Mm -hmm. And it looks like you're not going to be able to always use them, depending on how you set your resources up. So right. Which, I, I, I think those are my favorite. Yeah. You know, yeah. Mike, and, 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 and there, there's also these end game scoring cards, which right. I know on my last play, I, I had you know, this grand plan where I had, like, I was like, oh, well, these in-game scoring cards, like, but I have two cards that are going to reward me for cattle, and I got a couple that are going to reward me for settlements. I'm like, oh, this is cool. If I get these on the table, I get a bunch of points at the end, but the game, you know, ran out of time before I could get these <laughs> cards was, on the table. And, and you ran out of time. Yeah, and they're stuck in my hand, and it's like, oh. You know, yeah, so. well, that is true. You do have to play those cards. And like you said, you end up sometimes getting busy in the minutia, right? And, you know, instead of looking at that 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 long-term thing. 
this, you know, I think this game is you to me really feels like Fister listening to the criticism of Maracaibo and then like doing another game that addresses some of Maracaibo's problems. That said, I think Maracaibo is a better game. I do too. Yeah. Even though I don't really like Maracaibo. Um, but I know you do. I do. And a lot of people do. So I'm, I'm, I'm an outlier on this, but like the thing that I despised or found very frustrating about Maracaibo was the actual like loop mechanism of like we all start in the same place every round and we start progressing around the map going in a circle around the caribbean and as soon as one person kind of rushes and gets to the end of that loop everybody's going to reset back to the beginning of the loop and so you may not have been able to finish what you were planning or you're often under pressure to like oh i'm not gonna have as much time as i thought and your plans often don't come to fruition and that's yeah but i see that's what i like about it sure (laughs) i found it very frustrating for me that was decidedly not fun um um, but that's, you know, that's, that's not, a, that doesn't mean it's not a, uh, <clears throat> a solid game. It doesn't mean it's not balanced. It doesn't mean that's not a really important part of the strategy of playing the game. It just didn't translate to fund to me. And I didn't want to put myself back in that situation of being of like, that just, it felt like outside the realm of what I wanted my frustrations in the game to be. <laughs> and so instead of that happening, now you have kind of a similar loop with the boats moving down the river, but it never like. It resets once when we get to the like the second milestone right. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But even then, like that's a little bit of a reset, but it doesn't really harm anybody. No, no, because you don't have those assistants hanging out there at the end that right. you're trying that to, you never to got get. to use. Type right, of thing. and because, like I said, you know, wow, I won't get five, seven points at the end of the game. Who cares? Right. You're not going to win or I can't say you aren't. It's unlikely yeah. you're going to win or lose because of that specific situation. Both games are card salads, though. You know, you're, lots of cards. You're going to play lots of cards. And I think this this is also, in terms of the theme of this game, I feel like this is a reaction to Maracaibo because he he received a lot of criticism for cultural insensitivity on Maracaibo in the way it was representing an actual historical situation and not including slavery. Without context. Yeah. And so clearly this is like, okay, this isn't the earth. <laughs> you know, this is a historical thing. No, no indigenous people are being displaced, you know, by playing the game here. I will say he did Hong Kong, I mean, blackout Hong Kong as well. And that was, that was after Great Western Trail. And blackout Hong Kong has nothing to do with Hong Kong. I'm not sure what your point is. No, what my point is, this could have just been a game that he wanted to do and wasn't a reaction to anything. I think he's trying to be safe with his theme. I don't I don't know. I I don't want to pretend to be we, since we can't even identify what the theme actually is, I I I don't know. <laughs> that's that's certainly my take on it. Elder, did you want to chip in on this? Yeah, I just I, I I've been been wanting to I'm glad Jen mentioned it, wanted to bring Blackout Hong Kong uh into this because that's my favorite fister mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm I'm definitely in the minority in that. Like everybody really, Okay, people, well, you know, again, in terms of BGG 
in his games, it's I think it's like number five or six. Uh, right. Overall. Um, right. Even even further than that, let, let's actually see. It's uh, let me see. One, two, three. Yeah. Four, and yeah. Six. It's uh, like six. Yeah. And I yeah, would argue it, it doesn't have a theme either. No, I, I, I would disagree on that. I think. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's because it was it was a I, I think it has a very interesting theme in that, you know, it, it's I, my understanding is it's based on like an actual historical right. event, something that happened. Right. Uh-huh. And right. this idea that that, you know, again, if you look at the art, um, and, which is part of the theme of the game, I think it's basically about these triads or these gangs kind of working together with everyday normal citizens and paramedics and doctors. See, I didn't, I didn't, that went, woo, right <laughs> over my head. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like everybody, everybody coming together to kind of help people survive and make it through. Yeah, and it's set in know, a real blackout. place, Hong Kong, at a certain time. Right, you know, I mean. It's explainable. Yeah. I think it's explainable. It, okay. it may, you, well, you may have missed it the first time, but I think you can go and look and convey what's happening there. Yeah, Boone Lake, Boone, I mean, even the word Boone Lake is like, you don't know what Boone Lake, what is this about? You would right, have and, no and, idea even from the word Boone Lake. There's no lake. <laughs> there are lakes. <laughs> there are lakes there, that we well, stop in along no, the way on the river. Those are harbors. They aren't lakes. Those are harbors? Yeah. Okay. All right. There, there are no lakes. And then there's even a crazy place called Unknown. I mean, that just blew my mind. There's, yeah, there's a, like, a quarter of the board <laughs> falls into the unknown category. But it's not unknown, but it's known, but it's not unknown. Yeah, there's a Boone Lake unknown. region. There's a the unknown region. <laughs> so probably a poor, that may be a, a translation thing. I, I hope I, so, because it made no sense in English. So, like, my, my final thought on this, um, I think. From what I've seen of you, you guys, I think you guys like this game and have kind of soured on it. Um, I think I really just liked it from my very first play. Um, and, and I think part of it is that it does engage in going back to the idea about complexity versus elegance is like, I don't think this is an elegant game. I think there's a lot of complexity here. I think it's kind of a tough teach. There's a lot of stuff going on that doesn't really come together uh, for me. And so it kind of annoyed me from the get-go and i'm not a huge fister fan but i like a lot of of his games and i do feel like he's kind of moving in the wrong direction here for my tastes i i wish he would keep it simpler um and not have so and not have so many systems because i certainly like just having come away from playing it i still can't even tell you what i was doing in that game or what i was (laughs) supposed to be doing and that that doesn't feel like a good emotional place uh, t- to be at at the end at the end of a play, but but Trey, I never know what I was doing or what I was trying to to do. I'm just pushing the pieces, y'all. I don't <laughs> believe you. All right, Elder. Any final thoughts on on uh, on on Boone Lake? Yeah, I I think um, yeah, I. I I kind of feel like the jury's still out. I think you're, I think you're right. I think I, I don't like it as much as that first play. I think it is an interesting game. It's not my favorite Fister. Um, but I, I could tell you, I like it better than some of these other more popular ones. Like I would play this before great Western trail or more archivo. I would, I would definitely play this. Okay. Uh, That's that. good context for people. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think, think if part... you like Maracaibo, you're more likely to like this. Uh, I mean, Jen, I Jen's a bit of an exception, I think, but no, I'm trying I to, cause I do I think don't. some people will like this game. I think they do. No, well, they've already said so on, yeah. on BGG that, that they've enjoyed it. I think that you will enjoy it if you like point salad games. Yeah. And, I, know, and I do, I, I do generally. It's not great interactivity yeah. either. Right. Right. Exactly. Right, so, right. Yeah. It's not. I mean, it, it feels to me like he decided that he wanted to be more like Stefan Feld, right? Because, I mean, it's a little complex for, for, for a Feld game, but you can take a, a little bit out of this and you go, oh, you know, it's, it's a Feld. Feld games always feel like you've got these different parts of the board that are going to play differently, right? You've got these four or five different sections that have not exactly mini games, but are going to play different and require separate explanations and that's kind of the way this is too like it's it's a tough right um, right that's what i mean and so if you like point teller games i'd certainly give it a try unfortunately as far as i know there is no official table uh topia or tts mod for it so yeah you know, I yeah. Guess, yeah yeah right that's you'll gonna be probably a while have before. to 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 wait and who knows maybe he'll come out with a shorter variant that would help a lot yeah probably just or, come out with a game <laughs> right. that's right well i mean <laughs> he's considering expansion i feel like uh i feel like if the cards were were more varied maybe that might make a difference i'm not sure uh also I kind of feel like, yeah, the machine thing we could probably do without that whole part of the game. The levers, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. See that that see, and just to say this, uh, someone published all these great Western Trail strategies that they were doing. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. things that we never even thought about doing. Yeah, this is high level play of of Great Western Trail. It's an interesting right. glimpse that article. Right, and so maybe there's high level play here that I'm just not seeing. You know right. what I mean? I'm not going to say there's yeah. not. So maybe in the year, maybe we're after- just puny brains and we don't understand the genius <laughs> yeah. that is yeah. that is Boone Lake. Yep. All right. Well, let's get to our member segment, uh, Jennifer. You yes. wanted to talk about the cult of the new. Yes. Why did you think of this? Well, because it's Essen time, mm-hmm. which which is the embodiment of cult of the new, right? Everybody wants to get the new Essen games and go to Essen and see the all the games being demoed. And, you know, I mean, it basically, in my opinion, defines cult of the new. And from a personal point of view, you know, when I was growing up, we always had the newest everything. We were the only people on the block with a color TV. We had the, you know, the newest bikes, the newest cars. So you were and, your early adapters in your blood. Right, exactly. My uh, MBA is focused on technology and the development of new technology. That was my job, was to evaluate new technology at JPL. I bought, out of the three houses that I've lived in in the last 15 years, three of them, four, I mean, four houses I've lived in, three of them were brand new. 
no one that had ever lived in them. So I'm a new kind of person. I, you know, I always want to see what's coming and what it looks like and what the new designs are and, you know, just to see how the hobby is developing. Because a lot of people, you don't think of board games as tech, you know, as technology, but they act like tech technology. A lot of things in common where that you have, like you look at Monopoly, right? And it's roll and move and, you know, you just randomly do this or you randomly do that. And then you look at food chain magnet, right? And you see the extensive difference. There's no reason why food chain magnate in theory could not have been invented in 1933. There is nothing, but be, but it was invented because of the evolution of board game design. And so it could create, it could be cre created after a whole lot of other things were created to bring it, you know, into play. And so I'm always looking at that. You look at Kalis and we're not perfectly sure if it was the first Waker placement or not, but it, it, and and the other Richard Breeze game brought in a whole new thing or Magic the Gathering, right? Mm -hmm. You know, a, a whole new jump in board game design tech. So I'm always looking for the newest thing and how it's going to play. And am I going to be able to explain it at, at my age as Talk, you know, Eric was saying too, you know, back in the day, I loved reading game rules. Now... Uh, you, know? <laughs> you know, and so, oh my goodness, it's a 32 page rule book. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, you know, I always want to know what's coming and maybe I can finally have some entrepreneurial idea, you know, to go out and do something. So, um, yeah, that, but well, if, uh, if maybe I can just try to identify what you're talking about. When I think about you, I, and I think about like there's all kinds of different pleasures in board gaming. There's a lot of different kinds of fun, and people experience different games and get fun in different ways. And I think for the kind of gamer that you are, you definitely slant towards the pleasure of playing a new game with new mechanisms. I think it's very clever how you've identified like game mechanisms as tech, that mechanisms are in fact tech that we're building upon a tradition of, of, of game tech here right. and that experiencing that and, and then trying new things and kind of learning about that, that that is a very pleasurable thing to you that right. in your, in your equation of what the fun that you get out of board games, this rates very highly. Right, right. Yeah, because I want to see, I I have my ideas of strategies, and then I play with Trey and Bruce and Elder, you know, and they come out with something completely different. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, but, you know, I didn't even think of, of, of that. And so the whole surprise thing, you know, and I totally get that some people don't want to do that. That's fine. I don't like the criticism, though. You know, it was pointed out on Reddit about a month ago. No one criticizes people for going to see the latest movie, mm -hmm. right? You know, I mean, some people do like classic movies, and that's fine. But, you know, well, did, did you see the new James Bond, the new Spider-Man, the new this, the new that? 
Well, maybe let's identify what you're talking about there, because certainly when I've heard the term cult of the new, I've heard that as a criticism, that this reflects something, a mindset among gamers where they're overlooking what may be like classics within the hobby, that maybe you should play these great classics before you're just trying random newness here. And also, like, because we were talking about BGG ratings before, it right. feels like sometimes I think I feel like people feel like there is bias towards the new in the ratings too. Like there's rating inflation almost that right. like mm-hmm. ratings have kind of crept up over time just because for whatever reason, but that kind of right. fits well, into the, the cult right. of the new mentality. Well, I mean, you can certainly see it in Kickstarters. Uh, Kickstarter ratings are inflated. I mean, you can almost any really popular Kickstarter, unless something disastrous happened within the Kickstarter, mm-hmm. it's always over an eight when it shows up. Every almost every well, plenty time. of people rate games before they even get them. That right, seems, I know. That seems, I, you, I know. I you know. You can see them. They're, well, they're, they're ratings for games that people haven't played all over the place. Yeah, well, I've read the rules, though, Trey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, yeah, so people, see, for me, I haven't missed the classics. I was there, right? <laughs> I, you know, I had a German copy of Tickles of and Euphrates, a German copy of Shoulders sure. of, of Catan. So, you know, them getting mad. Oh, you've done you the work. Yeah. Right. You've missed this. I'm like, yeah, no, I haven't. All right. So, and yeah, you your, know, your catalog of games played is vast and, right. and possibly unrivaled. <laughs> I don't know. Comedy, but, you know, but you're yeah. up there, I would, I right. would say. Yeah. You know, and so for me, Cult of the New is just a chance to see new implementations, new design, but what people try, what people, what works, what doesn't work. You know, I think, um, and no, I'm not ashamed of it. I, you know. No, no, um, it shouldn't be. Well, let me, let me ask you this, because I think probably the three of us fall a little bit on the spectrum where I think, you know, Jennifer, you're clearly like a soupy, super early adapter. Right. Um, I work hard at it. Elder, I think you're, Probably uh, also like you're very driven to play new games. Uh, yeah. I think I'm sl- like I'm not playing anything that hasn't been recommended to me. Like the, right. I'm never going to the I am never ever ever going to the game store and looking at the shelves and saying this looks interesting and putting it under my arm and going to the front counter. Right. Like I right. don't I don't do that. I need no. I need a recommendation. That said, as soon as somebody says, "Oh, there's a new." this and it's looking good you know i'm definitely in but but trey would you buy a new game of a designer that you really liked without having the recommendation well i think the answer is kind of no because i know like there's plenty of uva rosenberg games i haven't played like really? he's put out a lot of like what is it like summer harvest or summer? Oh, you mean that branch? Yeah, no, like, me yeah. neither. I'm just saying like there's no there's almost no auto plays. I mean, okay. the auto plays almost like um yeah I'm gonna play um any splatter that comes out, but it's also like there's an only a new splatter every three or four years yeah, or something like also, that. So. I'm- I'm hit or miss with them. I did not pre-order a horseless carriage. I'm going to 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 wait. I think you know 
The but other... we're going to have three copies in our group. It's going to get played. You're going to yeah, get a report. Sure. You guys don't understand one major thing, as Elder at least knows. I play with a lot of people, mm-hmm. right? I play with with me and him have mutual friends, and I, I play with them. I play with you. I play with Candace. I play with people at the car. I, I, you know, so you having the games only means that I'm staying up till midnight on game night, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so no. If I if it looks good, then I will buy it so that I can play. The other thing is, I tend to play to buy games, if I'm going to spend a lot of money on a game, it has to be a game with good buzz. So, okay, I know if I buy Boon Lake for, I don't know, I didn't pay that much for it. It was like 65 or 70 But even if I buy it for 90 I know I'm going to get the plays in because everybody wants to play mm-hmm. the new Fister, right? Yeah. And, you know, and so I tend to trend like that. It's just like... um Origins first builder, builders. No one's really talking about it, so I canceled my pre-order, and that may be one that I'll pick up on the third or fourth printing or whatever. You know what I mean? As it comes through um, at a discount, right? But you're actively involved in like finding out about games, right? You're not well, passive about this stuff at all. No, like, no, you're, no. You're no. actively trying to decide: is this something I want to do? Can I? Right. This is something I can get, and I can like, even if I don't like it, I'm confident I can get my money back on it or after I've played it. it. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, it, you're a good friend to have. Like you're. Well, you're I, I I hope so in more ways than culture than new. But- <laughs> Yeah, but you're like you're both you're a resource, and I, I want to kind of um, you know applaud you here. You're re- you're a resource both in you know filtering out these games right. and providing these kind of like preliminary reports because you will play games like you want a little bit of buzz, whatever. But you know you're early trying out these things so that you can make recommendations to people but you go beyond that like as long as i've known you you've hosted game days you've got an SN day coming up but you've hosted right. game days that i've come to from time from time to time and you've got this you've got this great community and there's a lot of people who i never see otherwise right that yeah. come to this you've got all kinds of different you know you're you're maintaining a community of gamers that's really diverse that like all kinds of different games and then you're creating a space where people can kind of benefit from the work that you've done by going out and getting these games. So I'm really grateful that you do this. Well, thank you very much. See, the thing is, my friend Lorna is hooked in with the gathering people, and at the gathering, they show all the the prototypes, right? Mm -hmm. So then she can tell me, well, what's coming down, and then I turn You have your network of spies, yeah. Right, exactly. And then, you know, there are certain sites that we both go to. Okay, well, is it on Board Game Bliss, which is a Canadian site that ships to the U.S.? Is it on Filbert? Is it on Amazon.day? Is it on Amazon.jp in Japan, you know, is it, you know, all these different things. You right, know, that I, wouldn't even it, occur to me, but I know like Candace <laughs> has done that. She got her copy right. of Scout from Amazon uh, Japan. And yeah. uh, and that's a great game. Like, it's like, how do you do that? How do you know about this? But it's a, it's a different <laughs> mindset of, right, yeah. of seeking out this new stuff. 
Well, you know, the, the other thing is it means I have people to play with. And also, you know, I don't do movies and restaurants and a lot of things that other people spend their money on. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't this spend is my money. Yeah, this is what I this do. This in photography, right? you know. Uh... Yeah, exactly. And I just sold my uh, mirrorless for my Google Pixel 6. And I'll keep that for years. So, you know, I don't know. I just enjoy it. I enjoy looking at how it plays out. I enjoy having Bruce show the way and how to win mm-hmm. and how to compete. You know, and I want to know how to compete, you know, because that's the other thing about my 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 family. My first three syllable word was Singleton, which is from Bridge. Right. OK. Yeah. You know, because they were great. My my parents are both great bridge players. My mom played tournament bridge and both the black. Bridge Association and the ACBL, the the American Contract League, Bridge League, um, and so I'm I'm used to 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 competing. And then I had cousins who played dominoes so loud you could hear them <laughs> outside the the window. Right. Sure. So you know it's all part of my upbringing and and what uh, my environment was about was new stuff and competing. You know, going back to like, I think Dimitri, I don't know if it was the last episode, the last episode Dimitri was on, he was making a distinction between competence and mastery, like in the, like different players play for different things. And he, he was saying that he tends to play for competence. I was wondering, like, you often joke that you're not competitive about these no, games. No, I, I try to be competitive okay, so it's not for and, trying right exactly the aim is to is to compete you know sometimes i do check out when i know i'm losing mm-hmm. you know and there's just like no hope then i i have been known to check out i've been tr- working on not doing that so much but you know um i i do i and like if i play and i'm sorry to use the word an 18xx game well i compete in those i can i can beat people you have some in those mastery games. you have mastery in right that i kind have of mastery in in those games but most of the time what I really want to do is be able to be competitive, not to have mastery, not anymore. You know, back in the day when there weren't very many games, and in fact, if you um, watch my latest video, maybe in a, you'll hear me talk about a choir. Mm-hmm. You know, we played a choir every Friday night for at least five years. Gosh. Right. You know what I mean? And so I had mastery, whatever you want to call it. You had the and reps. I, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and right. Exactly. And I don't want to play that game ever again. Yeah. There's nothing more for you to learn about it. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. This and, goes back to the Raph Coster theory of fun thing, which is maybe a good way to like, there's different ways that um, learning is fun like that's kind of the central thesis of his book is like when we're learning we're having fun so if you're always playing new games you're always learning you're always having fun but there's 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 a form of like when you're trying to achieve mastery in a game there's uh where there's mastery in the game you're trying to learn the deeper aspects of the game so there's learning in that so if there's no learning to be gained in a game where you understand it all there's no point in playing it yeah but or very little point Right, like chess, right? You know, you can be competent and understand what all the pieces do, 
right? But you really did, you chess is a game that needs mastery, I think. Well, and no really... one actually achieves it. I mean, I'm sorry, like, chess is a game that there's no such thing as complete mastery of chess. But there is certainly mastery. There's degrees of mastery, of certainly. Mastery. And yes. see, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. Okay. Yeah, that's right. that's what I was suspected. But I think you just more like you're going to pick and choose where you want to invest right. your time I, and your mental energy. And you've decided that 18xx is an area that you want to you have invested and want to invest. Probably, you know, if there was a, a, a rule set for advanced set that was shorter, right? Mm -hmm. Then I would probably play the heck out of that too, because that's what we, right, Trey? I mean, back in the 90s, you played Civ, 1830, or Diplomacy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was it. And or Titan, so, or Starfleet Battles, or Battletech, uh, or it just depends on your group. Or like, But th there weren't a ton of choices. Right. Uh, you know, certainly for the Saturday game, it was it was Civ or it was Diplomacy. Right, exactly. It was and seven so, people all day long. Yeah. Elder, I yeah. realized I kind of uh, tried to characterize your thoughts on this earlier, and I apologize for that. Like, where do you think you fit in on this whole cult of the new thing in terms of your what the pleasures you get out of playing new games? Yeah, I think it's – thank you. Um, I think it, it has shifted a bit, but I definitely feel like um, – you know, and I don't want to get into a, a big, go down a big rabbit hole about game design, about board game design, which is, mm -hmm. you know, something we were in the same board game design group, you know, several years ago, mm -hmm. you know, building prototypes. And I think, you know, that's something that uh, I still am really interested in doing. I just, um, you know, I just find myself getting stopped. Like, I, you know, I know I'm, I'm really busy anyway. It's no excuse. Um but I think I think that's part of it is is sometimes even listening to the to the pod and talking about games and looking at, you know, the way I, I love what Jennifer said, too, about game design or games as technology board game rules as, tech, as a technology and language. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's something very magical about, you know, getting a rule set and and everybody you know, knows what the rules are and like, you know, a new kind of like temporary reality gets created on a, on a tabletop. Um, I think that's something that'll always fascinate me. Um, but I, I, I think I like it. I, I definitely am interested in, in new games, but specifically new games, definitely that lean more towards the complex. Uh, I think again, Jen is a really great, great friend for for more than just this reason but, but, one, <laughs> but one because because like you said she does all this research again like i i feel like i shouldn't be surprised after all these years but i'm just like god how does she know about all these games um i think there's a big swath of these games that we have that we're both interested in right yeah uh so we have we have similar tastes and 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 a, and a they're a big kind of segment and then there's also been you know, several instances where Jen's like, you won't like this game. Like she's declared, and I'm very interested to see what will happen. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to play Imperial Steam because Jen said, you won't like this game. Well, now, yeah, because you didn't like Food Chain Magnate. Yes, I got that. No, I, got that. I know. And Trey, Trey, 
when he didn't I'm putting my hands up. I don't know why you're comparing Imperial Steam to Food Chain Magnate. they're both brutal. <laughs> you can be brutally taken out of the game, right? Oh, look, I have no money, no influence. I can't do a damn thing. But I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's the reason why I don't like Food Chain Magnet. I'm just, uh, I'm not. I, it felt like that when we played. Yeah, I mean it is brutal, right? But and, and you're right. But there, so and and I don't. I'm surprised. Actually, so here's the the caveat to that is barrage. I mm-hmm. love barrage, and and barrage is barrage is absolutely oh, okay, and then, incredibly then, brutal, right? Yeah, I, I didn't know that. We should play in Imperial Steam if you can stand the fact that you can be taken out of the game. Is it so you, get, that, you can be taken out or you take yourself out? That's what so, I've seen. Well, I mean, but that's kind of true with any game, right? But, well, <laughs> no. So a lot. So there's certainly degrees of uh, games can can be harsh or can forgive certain things. Like t- typically, when we talk about point salads, like you you may not win, but you're still doing stuff. You're still right, scoring points. Right, you're right, still turning oh, yeah, your right, cards. Right. And then there's other games that we consider brutal. Is like you can't do anything. Right. You get yeah, cut you're, off. You're stuck, you're yeah. stuck and yeah. your your options are few, and they're not good. Right. You know that's right. the thing. And, what you and, mean by brutal? Right, and that's what I mean. Both Imperial Steam and Food Chain Magnate can have that happen, and so that was why. But now, if you like Barrage, then maybe you might like it. I'm very happy to play it with you. You know, I I the only thing. Well, Imperial Steam doesn't last that long. So, you know, um, if you can stick through it, then we're, we're all good, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a substantial game. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what you, what you think, Elder. But I, I, I'm not sure that, uh, that Food Chain Magnate is a great comparison for predicting whether you're going to like it or not. Well, the only, my only point was they were both brutal. That's okay. all. Right. Yeah. Not any, not anything about the game itself. But some people don't like being taken out like that, and that's why they don't like they don't like booching. Well, I don't think anybody likes being taken out. It's just more like your 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 tolerance for it or whatever. Like I think right. Paul can Paul maybe has like a greater tolerance for games that can be brutal. Maybe you know. Right. Well, I mean that's what I'm saying. So some people don't ever want to be faced with. Well, you're out of the game. They don't want that situation. And other people such as myself, I'm always out of the game. So what's the difference? Right? (laughs) I feel that way. There's games where I feel like, okay, I'm out of it significantly and my choices are limited. I I often feel like I wish I could fold. Like I wish there were poker and I could just fold and move on to the next game here. Instead, I have to be a good community member and sit here for the next 90 minutes. Right. Well, you know. just think of getting Italy in diplomacy, right? Oh, not necessarily. <laughs> yes, it's the weakest, but you can win from it. It's just a, it's a little bit of a disadvantage. Ray can win from it, yeah. I don't know. I haven't played diplomacy in years. All right. Well, this has been a, a, a great discussion. I, I look forward to um, S&A <laughs> happening and getting some recommendations. I, I'm hoping to still make that if you're still holding a slot for me or not. Yes, I've I've had someone again the the, the game brain listener. He's going to bring a table, so we now have space for four more, three more people, including you. All right, great. Well, I I look forward to experiencing the cult of the new with the, the three of you at at S and Day. Hopefully, 
All right. Well, thanks. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, I've, I've really enjoyed Thank uh, this you. discussion. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. You have been listening to Game Brain, produced and edited by Matthew Robinson, Tom Donnelly, Ben Mandelker, and myself. Thanks to Edomaros Pelleg for our art. Check him out at kirbuloni.com. And thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music. You know them as Alfred. More on Daedalus at gamebrainprod.com. You can reach us by email at contact at gamebrainpod.com or on Twitter at gamebrain underscore pod. Thanks for listening, and go make... Go make some friends with games or go play some games with friends like the two of you.